listeners. Hello! Welcome to Rhapsody in Reverie, episode 14. Episode 14! Smells like, uh, what rhymes with 14? Smells like a daydream. I was gonna say poutine. Yours is a better rhyme. Now I want poutine. You want poutine? I don't, I don't know if our union representatives will let us have poutine. Uh, you don't even allow it. You beat me. What? You just beat me. How did, could you be a union? Where did you come from? You're too early. You could just be a, you are no union material. What? You beat me. <laughs> I had to crawl up on the dungeon where you beat Let me. Let go! <laughs> I'm sorry, did I not come in at the right no, time? No, you came in at the wrong time. You only use me because I'm entertaining. You don't come in the intro. Just because I'm a goblin does not mean I don't have rights. No! <laughs> it means the opposite of that. I fucking called it. <laughs> I should have voted Democrat. No! <laughs> What did I do? Because of their privacy and romantic allure for the hot teens. So, of course, the answer is... Fashion Pit! Woo! Yay. Special shout out to all of you who guessed. Um, especially to the Rhapsody and Reverie MVP, Sebastian! Yes! Three for three! He got the three peat. He got the three peat. Ah, much love to Sebastian for sticking it out with us and listening and guessing right three times in a row. In a row. But yes, the band this week is Passion Pit. Project head uh, led by Michael Angelicos. For those of you who I'm sure are familiar with Passion Pit, they've been around for a while. Um, yeah, oh my god. Yeah. Oh, over ten years. Oh, wow. I'm old. But on a positive oh. note, <laughs> passion pit, eh? <laughs> that's, 
almost still I don't know how to how to feel about that cuz passion pit sort of depressing. <laughs> yeah, that is a positive. On a positive note, note passion, passion pit, pit. You makes very sad songs. Yep. Um but yeah, anyway, this week we're talking about Passion Pit, a personal favorite of ours mm. and Sebastian. And Sebastian. Um, so we're gonna get into it just for you. So tell us about your passion pit beginnings. Alrighty. So uh I I first heard the the first song I ever heard from the uh Passion Pit was Sleepyhead. I think a lot of people had the same experience where um they were watching the trailer for Little Big Planet 2 and <laughs> Sleepyhead featured prominently in the trailer. Um, that is a great game, by the way. Everyone should play Little Big Planet 2. But no, and, and I, I, I was struck by the, the uniqueness of the sound of the song. Um, weirdly enough, I, I didn't get into pursuing uh, finding out who the artist was and then listening to their catalog until I went to college. And Adrian introduced me more formally to Passion Pit, where... I said, oh, I've never heard of them. And she goes, yeah, yes, you have. And she she took me through their older stuff, and I was like, oh, oh, yeah, I do. <laughs> that's basically it. Thank you, little big planet, too. <laughs> okay. Uh, how and, and how did you discover Passion Pit, old friend, buddy, guy, pal of mine? So I discovered Passion Pit way back in... I guess that had to have been probably 2009. Um, I I think the first song that I heard was also Sleepyhead because my brother had it on his computer and he had listened to it. And so uh, my house was very small. So basically, if somebody was playing music, everybody heard it. <laughs> so... That's kind of how I discovered Passion Pit, and then I was intrigued because, like you said, it's a really unique-sounding song. So I ended up going back then and trying to figure out more about who this artist was, and I ended up listening to Little Secrets because mm. the music video had come out around that time. What I ended up doing was downloading the Manners album and the Chunk of Change EP, and I fell in love with both of those records, mm -hmm. and I listened to them over and over and over and over again. Probably, this is now like 2009, 2010, and I've kind of just been in love with Passion Pit ever since. What really sort of took my Passion Pit appreciation from just oh, I really like this music, to, oh my gosh, this is an incredible artist, was Gossamer, which I think a lot of people probably had a similar reaction. Gossamer oh, yeah. stands out very uniquely in Passion Pit's discography, and it was a particularly monumentous moment in Passion Pit's career. Specifically, there's an article that came out during the Gossamer album cycle 
that I'm sure everybody knows about. It's the Passion Pit interview in Pitchfork where he formally opened up about his bipolar disorder. I read that article when it came out and honestly that article is the reason why I started doing music journalism. Yeah, it added this whole other layer to his entire discography for me, just being able to see a new side of him and Mm. see, not so much just see a new side of him, but really contextualize his humanity, I guess, which sounds weird. Um to say because obviously everyone's human but it's it's a weird world we live in when it comes to musicians because they become these entities that are larger than themselves and it can be easy to lose sight of the humanity of these people that make these records oh but sure with passion pit and this album that article like what I felt in that moment was human connection and humanity. And it opened my eyes to the fact that that's something that I really need in music, in my life, period. Just feeling that human connection with an artist. And yeah, basically from that moment on, I've been a Passion Pit fangirl ever since. Um, to an embarrassing degree, but <laughs> it's, it's a look for those of you who aren't aware. Uh, when when Adrian and I first started actually becoming really good close friends, one of the first things she had me do was read that article, as an insight to both her music tastes, to her thoughts about the music industry, and I think in a way to to herself in like in in this very interesting. In in a Venn diagram of of things about her, so it, it it was it's that article has meant something interesting, as well to me because in a way it's it's an insight to this chapter. Um, I don't I don't know what that means in terms. Of, I don't. But I I remember thinking, wow, this is actually a really, this is a heavy heavy article. If you haven't read Rite of Passion on pitchfork.com you should definitely read it i'm sure that michael angelicos has a love-hate relationship with that particular piece um yeah probably because of everything that it's sort of done um well there's a follow-up article there there was a follow-up article though that sort of no i don't want to say completed it because obviously Articles about living people are never complete, if you think about... Yeah. Oh, excuse me, how we're constantly changing. Um, but I remember you getting really excited about the follow-up, and sending the follow-up to me as well. And and seeing even growth from the, for in between the two pieces... It it was very it was very fascinating insight I think and and I'm sure I, I'm sure he's also like oh I gotta stop talking to these people <laughs> yeah it's gotta be interesting having something so final out there yeah you know like these pieces they act as a sort of 
time capsule of a person and mm-hmm. they they stand as a monument to who they were at a particular time and that's got to be so frustratingly strange as a human to have something like that because like you said like humans are always changing there's no like it it's never finished so to have something so static about something so dynamic it's just it it's it's just a weird it's a weird paradox of ideas it is a paradox but i think too it, it accomplished something that i think he's been very very passionate about which is shining a light on mental health especially um the mental health of musicians mm-hmm. which is why he's doing um the wish art group yeah so i mean i think in terms of positive effects i don't know i i think it helps in a way where does one begin with passion pit I think we should start with Sleepyhead, in my opinion. We can start with Sleepyhead because it is on the Chunk of Change EP, and I love the Chunk of Change EP so much. <laughs> and if you haven't listened to the Chunk of Change EP, you need to put that on your list of things to do in life because get on it. <laughs> it it's a great it's a great starting introduction into Passion Pit. I love the story behind the Chunk of Change EP. It's <laughs> delightfully adorable. Just, the, like, he literally didn't even intend for anybody but his girlfriend at the time to listen to it because it was a Valentine's Day present. And then it turns him into the one of the biggest indie bands in the world. It's, it's, it's adorable and also kismet. Enjoy. Mm. <laughs> Indeed. Um, but yeah, and Sleepyhead is the last track on that um, EP. It's, as we said earlier, it's so unique. I want to take a moment to say how validated I feel. Because um, from the first moment I heard that song like in its entirety, sat down, listened to it, to to really like dissect it get into it um i always felt that there were words being sung that weren't necessarily in english but i was like like the high the high-pitched uh part right before he starts singing Mm -hmm. i always felt that there was there was like something there and everyone's like no 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 it's just like you know how like artists can sometimes take sounds and make it sound like words but they're not really words i feel validated because you know what apparently the song samples um, an Irish song that I'm not even going to try to pronounce because I'm going to screw it up um, by an Irish singer and harpist, uh, Bar- pardon me, Mary O'Hara. Mm-hmm. And again, I'm not, it, it looks like Oromo Biden, but that is probably not it at all. So I just want to say I feel validated. And again, how really how cool and inventive is that to sample something like that? I I don't know. To me that's pretty unique and fascinating. And it adds a whole other layer to my enjoyment of that song, to be honest. 
it's such a great expression of creativity to be able to piece together sounds and bend them to your will. Because that's basically what you're doing when you sample things. You're just like this mm-hmm. giant master puppeteer that's just hobbling things together out of nothing. Bits and pieces and scraps. And it's always blown my mind how people are able to take something that they hear and be like, oh, that's really cool. It'd be great if I inverted it and pitched it up and then, like, like the the things your brain has to do to come up with those sounds. Right, the processes that you, you have to think five, ten steps ahead. Yeah, and you have to be so meticulous to be able to piece it all together. And you have to listen to things over and over and over again. So... Anybody that does any type of music like this always just blows my mind. This is this is gonna sound it's it sounds kind of odd, but I, I only am aware of this because I was doing a little bit of genius research. He he said I don't remember where where this comes from. I, I know you can find it in the genius annotations of um his of his latest album, uh Tremendous Sea of Love. But he was talking about how there are specific songs that he he likes that are that he considers walking soundtracks, mm-hmm. and how he couldn't find anything, so he wrote his own. That's amazing. That was fitting the specific need that he had, um, and that was about his latest album. But to me, Sleepyhead is one of those songs that I I can strut down the street listening to, mm-hmm. like I it's. I I I I don't know. I've related to that quote so hard. I was like, "This quote is me." <laughs> me. I I too need a specific set of songs to do activities to. That's that. Honestly, that's me too. <laughs> yeah, I feel like it's a lot of people. And honestly, props to being able to to do it yourself, like to make your own. Yeah, my life would but, um, be so much better if I could just make the songs that I did. But I, I understand what he what he was saying about how certain songs they, they, they tap into something in you. Like, you know, you're looking for a sound, you're you're searching for a feeling, um that only a specific sound or a song can evoke, and sometimes if you haven't heard it, it's just not there. And then when you find that song and you get to tap into that new piece of you, you're just like, Oh, yes, the pressure's off. That's great, and Sleepyhead was that for me. Better Things is a song that I have to talk about. Mm-hmm. Because Better Things is probably one of the most repeated songs that I had from, like, the years 2009 to 2011. That song is so good and it's so specific to that time in my life Mm -hmm. I can't even really explain it but there's something about that song that fills me with such joy and terror okay I maybe terror is the wrong word but 
don't know, maybe it's the right word, but there's something, there's something about that song that's so frantic, but encouraging. Yeah. And this applies to so much of Passion Pit's discography, um, because what they, what they do so well is marry dark lyrics with totally upbeat, positive-sounding instrumentation. And Better Things is an interesting song because you've got this really slick, smooth, funky beat, and then you have these lyrics which kind of make no sense. And... (laughs) It's great, because the chorus is like, you're going to drive me crazy. You're going to drive me mad. There's an angel on your shoulder making hairpins out of glass. Like, it's just all these sort of strangely whimsical, but frightened images mashed together in this, like, cool, funky song. And it just felt so accurate to who I was as a person. <laughs> That's <laughs> It was this weird algamation of concepts and something about that spoke to me on a spiritual level and I would just listen to it all the time. That was my go-to song. It was also a song that I would listen to to just sort of keep myself just keep myself moving forward towards a goal. Mm-hmm. You know? Because that was... Uh, I've... Uh, that was, again, a, a time in my life that was not so positive for me personally. And mm-hmm. that song was kind of just a reminder that... A reminder to just keep trying... <laughs> As crazed and as frantic as the energy underlying in that song is, there is still that, like, glimmer of hopefulness in it for me. Because, I mean, the last line of the chorus is, better things are coming. So, there, there is still some hope, even if it's not, like, explicitly a song about positive things. I would love to just, like, sit down with Angelicos and just ask him what that song's about. Right? Like, <laughs> there are so many lines from Passion Pit where I'm like that with, I'm just like, what? What? It, walk me through it. And I, I know, <laughs> I know a lot of artists are like, yo, my music is up for interpretation. Like, I don't want to tell people how to interpret my song and I I agree with that I did that but also at the same time we've talked about this before sometimes the context is nice yes this is this is a particular song where I wanted more context because my reaction to it was so strong I think it made me want to know how the artist perceived it all right I'll stop talking about better things now um, <laughs> mainly so I can talk about Huddle Fuddle, because Cuddle Fuddle, Cuddle Fuddle rocks. Great so name, hard. by the way. Oh yeah, everything is about that song is great. Everything about it is great. 
The drums are great. The beat's great. The vocals are great. The lyrics are great. I love the first lines of that song. It's great. It's all great. It's, it's just just a fucking jam. Did we mention Kanye West really liked that song? Yeah, no. Kanye West likes that song, so you know it's great. <laughs> but but really, it it's such a well done song. It, the groove is so great. I, I'm going to say great 500 times, I swear to God. That's a great song. That's That song almost feels jazzy to me. There's something kind of... All right, I see it. Or like, uh, it's like a jazzy, almost maybe even like a spoken word kind of feel. It's a song okay. that just, it doesn't need any explanation because it's just so good. It speaks for itself. I feel like all of his songs do that. All of his songs do a pretty good job of doing that. Yeah. Especially this one, though. <laughs> <laughs> you throw it out into the world, and no one needs to say anything about it, because it's perfect. Let us talk about manners. I love, I love, love, love little secrets. There's one part of the song where he's like, Watch the basin drains as your lifelines wane. You can't explain as your friends complain. You've caused all this pain and you proudly shame your whole family's name. Like, how dark. Jeez. You never realize it when you listen to the song. That's what I love about Passion Pit. He's so good at painting these dark and honest portrayals of the lowest lows and highest highs he's very good at capturing the emotion of a moment what i really like about since you mentioned that i really like about passion pit in general is that he blurs the line (laughs) very well between the high moments and the low moments yeah it's almost like he takes the the songs that you would think would evoke a happy feeling and tonally, usually they do, but he pairs them with words that make you think, oh, this is more of a song that's, it's almost manic in its happiness. It's not happy at all. It's, it's destructive. Mm-hmm. Um, or it's painful. And, and he, he blurs the line really well, where you, you really have to listen closely to figure out, like, if he's really trying to, to portray one emotion or the other, and sometimes he's portraying both. It's, it's really interesting. Yeah. It's, it's, it's one of the things that I love about him, and it's honestly the thing that I think is why I gravitated towards his music, because I could never really explain why I felt such a connection to it, and then it wasn't until much later, and learning um more about myself honestly and realizing some of my own just sort of experiencing my own lows and highs and just realizing that the just realizing how weirdly similar those experiences can be like being low and being high you know it's it's weird. 
sometimes how pleasure and pain are so connected. It's hard sometimes to make sense of, of explaining your feelings in terms of passion pit songs because so much of it is dissecting somebody's brain. Like, that's part of what we all love about Passion Pit is the whole the chaoticness of the wall of sound thing that he does so well. You're trying to cut into a very multifaceted diamond here. And that's very difficult to do. Yeah. In some ways... Like, we could... Like, I don't even want to. <laughs> yeah, that's that's the hard part, too, is, is there is this almost like, am I going to delve too far into this? Or, or is, should I even? This it, it some of it feels so personal. It's like I should should I be allowed in here? Yeah. I don't know. I just I really love Passion Pit. All of these songs. I have so many memories of just retreating from the world, closing my bedroom door and just listening to manners. You know, I think that's the highest compliment you could probably give him is that he, he was his his music his his headspace was where you went to retreat to when when life got yeah, too much. Yeah, he was my safe haven. Thank you for not saying safe space. Yeah, no. <laughs> <laughs> but but no, there's there's something quite beautiful I think considering for him the music production is. And I don't even want to try. I don't know. It's hard because I don't want to speak for him. Yeah. Obviously, this is going based off of reading things and comments that he said. But it's, um, if music is truly how he sorts things out for himself and, and processes the world and makes things a little bit better and helps other people through his music, then I think that's the highest praise you could give him, is that his music helped you, not just in, in the respect of it being a safe haven, but that it also helped you to process all, all of the, the noise in your own head. Yeah, it... It's weird because it's almost like, I don't know, this is hard for me to explain, but it's kind of, when I sort of first got a more formal diagnosis of anxiety, I didn't really know what to do with that information in the context of the life that I had lived, because I just lived that way for so long. And then just sort of realizing how it affected my life in the past, it was a weird experience to have. But listening to Passion Pit after having that experience in my life made me realize, I don't know what I'm trying to say, it just, it, it it helped me understand myself as I was learning more yeah. things about myself. So, what are your favorite songs on Manners? Just let, let's let's kick the ball rolling. What what are the go to songs that you have when you were like, I'm gonna sit down and listen to Manners? I think the reeling is definitely the main go to. I think that song spoke to who I was as a teenager. Okay. And who I am now. Just me in general. There was something about the chorus that was just so in line with the way my brain worked when I was 15, 16, and 
on into now. It's just this feeling of being so overtaken by what's going on inside of you to the point where it it's almost it's just too much. That's kind of how I felt slash feel about the inner workings of my brain 99% of the time. Like, my thoughts are always on overdrive. Basically, that song was um, me dealing with my anxiety before I even knew just how much it was affecting me. I felt like I finally had a representation for how I felt all the time in that song. And so having that was just... I felt so relieved to have that song in my life because it was like, hey, there's a place for what you're feeling in this world. You're not a complete freak of nature. Maybe somebody else understands. (laughs) So I I really like the reeling. I also like folding your hands. That one's also really good. It that one's an interesting song because it's like it's depressing but also determined. Yeah. There's something destructive about this determination within that song. So I I like that song. Again, every single one of these songs I'd love to just sit down with Michael Angelicos and be like, okay. Walk me through this. <laughs> just, just speak. <laughs> yeah, I, I think it would be so fascinating to have a conversation about these songs with him. Mainly so I could just tell him thank you. Thank you for making this album. Thank you for helping me understand who I am. Thank you for making me understand who I'm not. Like, So much of this album made me feel safe. This stuff was getting so real. Yeah. <laughs> Unintentionally. Or maybe intentionally. Maybe it's good this episode's I mean, getting real. There's kind of, honestly with this with Passion Pit, there was no way this episode wasn't getting real. So yeah. I guess I guess my favorite songs are probably Little Secrets, The Reeling, and Folding your hands. Ah, oh, but I really like swimming in the flood. Because that's one of the, like... <laughs> I just... I just... <laughs> Alright, I'll stop talking. What are your favorite songs on Manners? <laughs> to Kingdom Come. That's a great one. There was something very... Because here's my thing, is um when I, when I was, like, listening, when I was first getting into Passion Pit as a as an actual entity i don't know that was one of the first ones i heard off of manners and it always stuck with me and i'm not sure why it's really good like it's um sleepyhead of course is in a is it's in a realm all its own but um to kingdom come there was something very dramatic do i want to say dramatic about it i don't know you might want to say dramatic i there's something there's something a little theatrical about it you can't call a song to Kingdom Come and then not follow up. <laughs> I don't know. I really on, honestly off off of off of manners, those are my two favorites. It's probably the horns. The chorus of To Kingdom Come? Yeah. 
Gotta be the horns. Yeah. I'm a sucker for a good horn section. distinct memory of listening to Dossimer for the first time because I did it mm-hmm. with one of my best friends. Woohoo! She came over the day it was released and we just basically had a listening party me and her in my living room and we listened to each song and every song we were just like, how is it so good? we were just blown away by how great this album was when we first heard it every single one of these songs is so good and so powerful and it's all so depressing all of it like well I mean yeah I mean yeah uh, you shouldn't say it's it just it's very raw. Yes. That I will give you. That Gossamer is very raw. Which is interesting when you consider the title of the album. Mm-hmm. Considering how Gossamer is. It's a very thin, soft fabric. Very see-through. And it, I don't know. Maybe in a way it's, it's him giving a, a, an insight. Well, all of them are. But maybe the, the title is more... An in-your-face way to say, this is it. Yeah. Here's a raw, obvious, transparent look at some sadness, folks. Let's get into it. Let's go, guys. Favorite songs off Gossamer. You go first. So I guess we'll start with the obvious. Uh, Take a Walk is is one of my favorites. <laughs> it's, I mean, you, you hear it in commercials. It got a lot of exposure with that. Um, there's something very boppy about it, almost. Like, it's both a mellow, high-energy song at the same time, and it's, it's, I don't know, whenever I hear it, I always want to dance, which is funny, because it's, it's, it's a, it's an interesting song, it's got some, it's got some heavy layers in it, uh, I know it's about his family, that's fine, I mean, I, I get it, everyone misconstruing a couple of lines about politics, in, in truth, I also thought it was about politics when I first heard it, and I got excited, mm. <laughs> <laughs> we're not gonna get too into it. Um, I, I, res- I respected it a lot. It felt, it felt very much like, you know, like, uh, like someone coming to America and the stress of it all as, as a new American family, um, getting to you and you need to just go take a walk to take the stress yeah. off. Um, that's the story of a lot of people, of a lot of people's families. And it, it, it I, I'm including some of my own in that. So it, it's. It's a story that's very common and yet unique in all their own ways, and I respected Take a Walk for capturing the stress of it all. Capturing, like, you know, sometimes you just need to go take a walk. I don't know. Um, it's, it's, it's a really beautiful song, honestly. I'm also going to just jump into number two and be like, I'll Be Alright is a, a, oh, another yeah, one of my favorites. That song. that song punches you in the face 
okay? That song right off the bat is just boom, doosh, doosh, wall of sound, hit it. Yeah. <laughs> and I loved that mm-hmm. about I'll Be Alright. Granted, it's also another another one of those like semi manic songs. Like it almost evokes that that feeling in in myself. There's something very interesting about the about the first line of "Can you imagine never having any fun?" I was like, "Oh, uh, nope, can't, nope." Like, <laughs> I don't, I don't know. Maybe it's because I'm a person who who um, you know, because we all, no matter what our stage of mental health is, you know have our various ways of coping with when we feel depressed or whatever. And I'm a person who likes to surround myself with other people or to distract myself as much as possible or to fill my day up with as many activities that I don't have time to think about it. So for me, when I first heard it, I could identify with it on the level of like this almost manic energy pumping through me is like yep this is another one of those cool segue things of like yeah you can go if you want to i'm gonna be fine um i'll, I'll be fine all on my own i'll be here ah like i i don't know part of me tapped into that and um it was funny because it was almost like the song was a substitution for human company <laughs> so thank you he tapped into that pretty well. And I'm going to limit myself to one more song, because I know you're chomping at the bit. Uh, <laughs> I'm going to say It's Not My Fault, I'm Happy. Oh. Um, That's a very, that's another sad one, mm-hmm. I think. I'm trying, I'm trying to think, because I think when I first heard it, I misinterpreted it as something that actually was a happy song when I first heard it and didn't listen as closely. And I was like, oh, cool, yeah, it's I'm living my life, you know, it's not my fault, I'm happy, I'm good. But it's not about that. Um, I, I, I don't know, it's, it's, he, again, going back to, to my earlier points, he's very good at blurring this line between, you know, being okay and being not okay. And you almost can't tell. Like you, you can always tell that he's teetering on the edge of of this of this um, balance between emotions and and trying to express certain emotions in his song, and I think that's the point. Maybe you know, even hour to hour, day to day, minute to minute, you don't know. It fluctuates so often. It's like I don't know what I am, and um, I don't know. Again, it's it's not my fault. I'm happy. Um, tapped into a place. I was feeling at the time when I first heard it, oddly enough, it became another one of my walking songs. Don't know what that says about me, but it's it's another one of those songs that um that that gets you. So those are those are my top three. I don't care what number you go into. I was limiting myself to three. Okay. Go. <laughs> Be free. I open the stable <laughs> gates. The bull can rage. All right. So what were your favorites? I'm going to start with I'll Be Alright because... Nice. I mean, you you said it. There's just that that energy in that song. I think a lot of people can relate to that feeling. R- regardless of who you are, I think every so often you reach a point in your life where things are so out of hand and you... You just, you hit, you hit a wall. 
you're in such a hole that you just kind of want people to just leave you there. And you're just like, forget it. Like, I'll be all right. Just live your life and let me just be here. At least that's how mm -hmm. I always felt listening to it. I would listen to that song a lot at like 3 a.m. I used to sleep a lot. I would sleep till like 7 o'clock at night and just stay okay. up till like 4 or 5 in the morning. And I would just listen to that song and do crazy stuff like splatter paint all over my wall. I can't really explain much further than that, but, like, <laughs> that's really what that song was for me in that moment. It just was a song that I would turn to, like you said, as a substitute for human company. <laughs> <laughs> it's just, it was the song that I uh, I needed to have because I didn't want anyone else around for what was about to happen. <laughs> ah, okay, so it was the opposite of yeah, me. Yeah, were you sort of like you seek to reach out to people? I'm mm -hmm. the opposite and like for me that song is my like way of just like closing in and just like really just expelling myself from the world for a few minutes okay like, i just interesting need to not think about other people right now because if i do all i'm going to think about is all the ways that i'm failing them oh damn <laughs> again this is a dark episode guys but Passion Pit is there for the highs and the lows, and everything in between. Michael Angelicos is a brilliant songwriter, and all of his songs have been soundtracks for my life at both the good and the bad. And in that spirit, I will segue into my next favorite song, Carried Away. Which, Woo! I mean, still isn't really happy, but it made me feel happy. <laughs> Look, man, the the power of music. You know, it, <laughs> yeah, I, I really loved Carried Away. But yeah, last favorite is Constant Conversations, because this is a lighter note. Because when I heard this song, my first thought was this is a sex jam wow i was so happy when i heard the song for the first time because it was this cool sort of r&b vibe and i was like yes come through with those like sultry <laughs> samples and the oh god and the imagery on that song too is particularly striking the, the line that always really sticks out to me is, if there's a bump in the road, yeah, you'd fix it. But for me, I'll just run off the road. I don't know why that line sticks out to me so much, but I just have always loved it. 
I just love that expression of who these two people are. I think it really paints the picture of their differences really well. So, constant conversations, I'll be alright, and carried away. <laughs> Two, three, and four, coincidentally. And honestly, there are so many others. I also really like Cry Like a Ghost. Um, also like Love is Greed. So, alright, I'll stop. Um, Kindred's special to me because that was the first one that I listened to with you. And I remember, like, the both of us being excited together. And I was like, yay, Kindred. Yeah. It's also just a good feeling album. It is. It truly is. I I remember hearing uh, Lift It Up when, when he put it out um, before the album itself mm-hmm. premiered. And I remember just being so excited for the whole thing. And it was so... it. This actually was, like, an actual cheerful yeah, album. I was just so happy he was happy. <laughs> I was like, yeah. Happy so. <laughs> Honestly, and, and the fact that the course is 1985 was a good year. Yeah, I was like, good. Which... It could be considered sad. The last time I had fun was in 1985. (laughs) But I choose to think of it the other way. And honestly, it was so good. It was cinematic, too. In a lot of ways, Lift It Up. I I had a lot of good feelings from from that song. I find it interesting on Lift It Up. He seems... He has a deeper voice on that song um which yeah i i appreciate that he brings that tone into this record i find it interesting how he said in an interview once that like passion pit is kind of like a character and like he has to really like try to get into that, like, voice and vocal space, you know? Because he he sings extremely high in, like, all of his songs. Um, and I... It almost feels like with Kindred and with him bringing in a lower register, it's almost like him, I don't know, bringing in another piece of vulnerability, like another layer of vulnerability. By going to that register. Because mm-hmm. it's not a... It's not a register that he normally sings at. Again, I mean, I don't want to necessarily, like, put words in his mouth or on him. But, like, I appreciated him singing that song that way. Because it made me feel closer to the message of the song. Weirdly, interesting, but there, there's, there's an intimacy about it that I appreciate, Uh, and it's just a fun song. Until we can't, in parentheses, let's go. uh, Was always one of my favorites. I don't know. I love, I love the imagery of chasing a dream, 
or chasing a feeling or chasing a something with everything that you've got. I don't know. It still manages to be joyful and desperate at the same time. Like, there's a desperate need for fulfillment in that song. And I like it. I like that. Yeah. No, I don't know. I, I like that. I don't know. This is getting too real, and I am too guarded for this shit. <laughs> Open up. This is a safe... No! This <laughs> is my vomit noise. Yes, I, I gathered. I really like where the sky hangs. That's that's one of my walking songs. Like yes. that's a great song for like a really nice summer day and you're walking down the street. It's just so peaceful. There's a peaceful innocence to that song. Which just goes along with um kind of the theme of that album cycle visually. There's a lot of like child imagery. And mm-hmm. uh, I I can understand that because it just it made me feel it made me feel like it made me feel young, which is weird to say as somebody who's only like twenty four, but I don't know. The song just reminded me that it's okay to take a walk in the afternoon and just smile at the clouds i don't know sometimes you need that true <laughs> let's just quickly rattle off some favorite songs my favorite songs from kindred are probably where the sky hangs definitely all i want and and five foot ten so your favorite songs Lift It Up is always going to be really special. Um, it's just that, again, the memory of, of hearing it for the first time is always going to just be ingrained in me. I liked Dancing on the Grave. Not just because there's something very interesting about just dancing on the grave of anything as a concept. <laughs> but, um, I like that song. Uh, <laughs> and I'm going to say Until We Can't, Let's Go. All good choices. All great choices. And now I'm I'm actually really excited to talk about this one. Yes. Um, tremendous sea. Tremendous of love. sea of love. Oh. I was struck by how how really beautiful it was, and there's almost this interesting shift tonally from his earlier music. And even from Kindred to now. Mm-hmm. And I'm not sure what exactly it means, but this was the first time I heard him play something on a piano and just let it be. This record was a really great one. It felt free. Yeah, that's a good way to that's a good way to put it. There it was almost like there was something in him that had come to terms with himself. And he was making peace with it. Yeah. It, if that makes it, sense. It was, it's very... It was so beautiful. My favorite song on this album, though, is probably I'm Perfect. Because when I heard that song for the first time, I was like, oh, yep, 
This is it. This is the one. This is the one that's me. In music. There's always at least one song on each Passion Pit album that's just like, this is me. And that was, I'm perfect. I relate so much to the chorus. It was just like, tell me I'm so perfect. Tell me all the time. It's funny because those lines, like, just the sentence without the context sounds like arrogant. But that song is really about just like vulnerability and just feeling so, at least for me, when I listen to that song, that's how I feel. It reminds me of just how insecure I can be. Oh no. <laughs> and just the the feeling of needing some sort of validation. Yeah, for me, that's what that song is. It's just that expression of just needing someone else to tell you that, tell you how you're doing. Searching for answers to the question, who are you? <laughs> and I don't know. That's how, that's what that song does to me. It puts a song to the feelings that I have grappling with my yeah. own crazed perfectionism. So, mm -hmm. I appreciate it. And Undertow's a bop. True. That's all I'll say. I'm gonna stop talking now. Okay. <laughs> I will also say that For Sandra is beautiful. I was gonna say, that's probably my, my favorite song in the whole album, just because it came out of the field. I mean, I always, I always assumed, like, that, look, the dude's a musician. He knows how to do anything he wants. But it never clicked with me that he would ever make or compose something on, on a piano. It just never clicked with me. Yeah. But no, it was, it was a very beautiful song, and it actually made me stop what I was doing and just sit there and listen to it. And there's something very... It's passionate and yet cool at the same time. And I mean cool as in the temperature, not cool as in... You know, the other form of cool. There's something about this whole album that just struck me as almost like like he's gone through metamorphosis. Like he's gone through this thing where he's reaching this point in his life where there, there is a unity or something like that. Almost a maturity that like, not that he wasn't mature before, but like he's reached a new level of maturity mm -hmm. and, and of peace and of what have you that has sort of the theme of which is very prevalent here. And, I don't know, for Sandra, struck me as being a, a very telling thing. Which is funny because, you know, he says for Sandra basically sums up the feeling of the whole album. Which is true. Yeah. It definitely does. Well, should we just stop now? <laughs> should we? I guess. I mean, have we said everything we wanted to say about Passion Pit? No. no. But we will never say all we want to say about Passion Pit. Yeah. Really, I cannot stress enough just how important every single one of Passion Pit songs has been for me. Just as a human, understanding what it means to have a brain. Yeah. You know? 
what it what it means to go through the human experience yeah that's that's really what it is because it's just it can be so tough and isolating inside of your own mm-hmm. head and I'm a person that spends a lot of time in my own head. So it was just always nice to have Passion Pit be there Mm -hmm. to kind of, I don't know, walk me through it, I guess. Yeah. Walk me through what it's like to just... To be. To be with yourself. Yeah. So thanks, Michael. I, I... I know I'll never get a chance to meet you, so this is the only way I have to thank you. So thank you. Yeah. <laughs> um, but anyway, I I promise I'm not a creepy fangirl. I just really no. I think your music. look, look, man. This this really does come from an honest, heartfelt place. Like you, your music is a very powerful thing, my guy. And, yeah, and I, just, I like again. It's it's appreciated. All right. Like, yeah. Anyway, uh, before we all start crying, uh, all right. So to move on to happier things, it's time for da 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 up and comers. Up and comers. Yeah. Gotta write a new song for that. Um, so. Who do we have for them today? Old putty, buddy, pal. Old putty. <laughs> old putty. We've gone from old buddy, old pal to old putty. <laughs> um. All right, shall I go first? Yes, why don't Okay, you? so the artist that I've chosen is mm-hmm. Psychic Twin. Ooh. Now, I discovered Psychic Twin with my good pal Katarina mm-hmm. when we went to see Starfucker play. <laughs> I forgot! <laughs> yeah, I that was that night. I forgot night. about that show! <laughs> they opened for Starfucker. And first of all, Starfucker is also great, but you should know yeah. Starfucker. So, what was so great about seeing Psychic Twin live is that they were like, it was like watching two intergalactic space aliens take you yep. on a journey. It really was. It really truly <laughs> that was. That entire night was just an interstellar disco. It was a beautiful experience. And yeah, Psychic Twin is so good. Vocally, I love what she does on all of her songs. My favorite song is Strangers because I love the way it starts. It has this very dizzying effect to it um, Mm -hmm. with the synthesizer that just kind of runs through the entire song. And... I think it just really adds the sort of like outer space quality of her music. And she has this very 
airy, sprightly kind of sound to her voice. And I love it. She is at I am psychic twin on Twitter. And mm-hmm. she is psychic twin on Facebook and Instagram. Definitely give her a follow and let her know that Rhapsody and Reverie sent you. Who's your artist for this week? This week, I have the London-based um, solo artist, Chris Reardon. Chris is a, uh, how do I describe it? It's, it's, it's very alternative rock, very bluesy, very folksy. He goes hard sometimes, and it, it's, it's really fun to listen to. Honestly, I love blues. That's something about me is I love the blues. And his song, um, he, he just put on a new song called Fighting Man, and it's very good. Check him out, honestly. He's, uh, if, if you're into that kind of, uh, if you're into that kind of music, do yourself a favor. Listen to him. Listen to Fighting Man. Listen to Spiders. Check out Bombay. If you're gone, I'm going under. Honestly, it's all good. It's all good. Um, that's all I have to say about that. You can follow him on Twitter at C Reardon Music. On Facebook, he's Chris Reardon Music. And on Instagram, he's Chris Reardon, but with three N's instead of one. <laughs> Check him out. Give him a listen. Give him a follow. Tell them Rhapsody and Reverie sent you. That'd be cool. <laughs> All right. Well, with that concluded, we did it. We did it. So, thank you so much for listening to this week's episode of Rhapsody and Reverie, episode 14. Episode 14? Yeah. Be sure to follow us on Facebook and Twitter and Instagram, Rhapsody Podcast, or Twitter and Instagram. Mm-hmm. Subscribe to us on iTunes, Google Play, Stitcher, Podbean, YouTube. Leave us comments, ratings, reviews. Um, do all of those things. Give us feedback. We love feedback. We want to talk to you. Check our website for announcements because, dear listeners, this is the second to last episode of our first yes, season. It so, is indeed the penultimate uh, episode. Yeah. So you should definitely be paying attention to our website because we have a lot of cool things that we're going to be doing in our off-season and we'll be keeping you updated on the uh, beginning of Season 2 and all that good stuff. Who knows? Maybe we'll even hint at some of our artists for the new season during our off-season. So, you know, stay tuned. But yeah. Exactly. Um, so, now that all that's out of the way, (laughs) it's time for us to hint at the last (laughs) episode of our first season. So, Hintmaster, do the honors. Hintmaster, are you gonna, are you gonna give us a hint? No? All right, he's still sulking, so it's up to me. <laughs> I can't promise I'm going to do a better job. Um, but which band 
has had its lead singer release a book of poetry called Sincerely John the Ghost. Hmm. Hmm. Very interesting. You'll probably look, that was kind of a, a freebie. Our hints yeah. have maybe been too hard. I'm kidding. They've been really easy. And all of you who don't have thumbs and don't know how to Google, I don't know what to tell you. Um, you guys can do it. All you right. can do it, guys. Sebastian, yeah. we're counting on you. Come on, Sebastian. Four for four. Four for four. Oh, man. Okay, well, that's it, guys. See you later. Yeah, our energy's all gone. Goodbye. <laughs> Ain't got no time for puns. <laughs> Sorry. This was too somber an episode. My inner dialogue is all a mess right now. I am distraught. <laughs> gonna go hug myself in the corner now. Yeah, I'm gonna go take a walk. <laughs> there it is. 